Today on the podcast, she's got a degree in mathematics, she's got a master's in statistics, and she's got a PhD in economics. So when Tamika Hill-Thomas talks about the Great Resignation, we need to listen. She's senior principal in workforce strategy and analytics at Mercer, passionate about data and highly regarded for her abilities to leverage advanced analytics. We were lucky enough for her to speak to our niche cast. Here we go with a conversation from Mercer's Tamika Hill-Thomas. Give us your thoughts on the Great Resignation. Uh, thank you so much. Well, in the late 2020s and in early 2021, you saw people that were leaving their job because they were just so frustrated and stressed out due to the pandemic because the vaccinations were not readily available. Their children were um, no longer going to school. People had to stay home with their children and other things related to the pandemic. So you saw then people were just leaving the, the jobs just really due out of frustration. However, by mid 2021 to now, I think there's just been a shift in the reasoning behind the resignations. Uh, for starters, I think there's been a shift in the position of power. Employees now recognize how happier they are with more flexibility at their jobs, and they're looking for that now. They also see in the economy, you know, until fairly recently was growing at a very large rate and they wanted more income. So as a result, you now saw companies respond to this new demand by offering hybrid work, better employee assistance program, and not just higher salaries, but also larger signing bonuses to help meet the demand for this for, from the workers. So right now I see companies in some ways at the mercy of the current and potentially new employees. And I think this will probably continue for the next quarter or so. Now that we have the situation in Ukraine and Russia, I think it's kind of questionable um, how the economy is going to do in the next couple of months. But I do think up until probably the summer, you'll still see that employees will have the demand and the control of the reins as a result. There's obviously a number of reasons, uh, many of which you've just outlined for, for this. But do you think these dynamics in what employees are looking from their, from their employer are going to persist beyond the summer uh, in, in your prediction? Or, or are there going to be kind of echoes of what they've, they're after that we're going to see move, you know, as we go forward into next year as well? You know, I think the pandemic has left both the employees and the employers to rethink their relationship. Employees are now rethinking how their job aligns with their purpose and values. Employees are now suffering burnout due to this heavy load that's been put on them due to the pandemic. Employers, on the other hand, are evaluating their role in society and their relationship with their employees. So what does this all mean? I think now and in the near future, you are going to see employees are going to be making clear decisions on what their relationship between them and their employees should be. You're going to see some em employers leaning in to become a more family environment, while you're gonna see more employers actually coming back, setting boundaries as a part of work-life balance. As I mentioned before, you know, the power has now pivoted more toward the employees. So there are new demands for better work-life balance. These demands have led to companies to deliver on total well-being, meaning they want better health as it relates to their mental state, their physical state, their financial, as well as the social. Health. 
And because employees are looking for more purpose, some companies have become helping employees discover their purpose with much more training. So when the economy slows down, probably at the end of this year, I do expect that the relationship will probably change again, but I know it's not going to go back to where it was prior. I expect the change in how employers look at the talent supply will change. Um, the pandemic has already exasperated growing digital education and skilling divides globally. I suspect that the demand on talent will further push that divide once the economy begins to slow down. This is why, you know, we see here in my company, we've seen an uptick in the number of clients with interest in developing new talent processes around skills and more investment on training. So this is, that's one area how employers are dealing with all of this. How are you, uh, you know, in your business, how are you advising uh, your clients to do this? And do you think there's something a bit deeper going on in the economy apart from flexible work? Do you think there's, there's a, a bigger underlying issue? Yeah, good question. We're now seeing employers become more strategic in how they manage their workforce due to the new demands into the shifts in economy. You know, one, you see employers want to improve workforce planning to better manage how and where within their company. They should hire new talent, retain their current employees, use automation, outsourcing, et cetera. And the bottom line is there is no one choice. It's likely a combination of all these things to help maximize the productivity within your firm. Also, employers want to address the employee experience for key retention populations. You know, they want to make sure their high performers are happy. They want to make sure their executive leadership is happy. So this is requiring companies doing employees engagement surveys and doing research on the sentiment of their employees to better understand what their concerns are. Also, I believe that companies have to think about managing their workforce while being aware that the economy um, over the past few months has been very hot, but now since Ukraine and Russia, they're going through this situation right now, there's a big question mark as to where things are gonna go. So I suspect that things are gonna cool off a little bit. So there's this anticipation that uh, employees are having, and they seem to be really nervous about how this will impact their employees as well as it, how it will impact their business. I've only got one last question. We, we're coming at this at quite an apposite time, I think, because yesterday we had International Women's Day. Um, the pandemic's really infected women and people of colour in particular. Uh, it's highlighted pay gaps, gender pay gaps are, well, arguably less of an issue, but still a big issue. I mean, what I mean by that, sorry, is that more companies are understanding the importance of being transparent. Uh, have you seen, from from your experience, positive progress in these areas? And what needs to happen to keep this going, essentially? I have actually seen a lot of great progress in this. There have been recent events that have led to more companies looking to determine if there are disparities in pay. One, um, there are increased regulations in Europe and in the United States for several states. Uh, the EU now requires that member states to collect and publish information on pay gaps. And in the United States, there has been greater transparencies in states like Colorado, Connecticut, and New York, which require companies to share pay ranges. So employees will now have more information um, that they can that they have to share, and employees are now have 
better insight as to what they should be looking for at the job. Also, there have been a lot of demands from activist investors for disclosures. And here in America, uh, especially since 2020, uh, racial, in, racial justice has been just a huge driver. So due to these events, some of the top HR priorities that we have seen is that companies are now addressing whether there are pay gaps for women and people of color at similar ranks and roles. I know at my firm at Mercer, we have experienced an increase in a number of companies who want to help determine if there are any gaps in pay as experienced by women and people of color. And not only do they want to just identify the gaps, they want to see what are the drivers behind those gaps. Also, we have seen that this has gone beyond uh, just looking at pay. We have seen a lot of studies looking at total rewards packages, such as um, retirement plans, 401k plans, and um, employer-sponsored stock purchasing plans. So we have been looking to see, I know at Mercer, how employer matches and non-matches have helped uh, reduce the gap and how different employee groups are saving for retirement. And last, you know, addressing whether differences in hiring, promotion, and exit rates have impacted female and people of color representation throughout their ranks and a specific job roles. That has been also a very big question that companies are seeking to answer. Um, what we have been looking at is not only have we been looking to determine whether low representation for women and people of color are the result of differences in hiring, promotion, and exit rates, but we've been looking for drivers to explain why this has been occurring. It's an ongoing analysis, isn't it, really? And it's a it's terrible, really, that it should take a pandemic to have to kind of kickstart this this research and and uh, you know make things able to be more transparent. But but if there's something that's good that's come out of this, then it is it does mean that people are very much more aware of this and very much more transparent about this. Tamika, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's really good to get the immersive perspective and your perspective on on these topics. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure.